Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. The reading today on Epiphany Day comes from Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, This grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him... And through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, the grace and the mercy and the peace of our Epiphany Lord be with you as we spend a bit of time in his word today, Epiphany Day. Let's pray. Holy Spirit of God, be with us. Speak through these words. In the name of Christ. Amen. Friends, I had the privilege of um, attending... Uh, Pastor Lionel Otto's funeral this Wednesday, last, last Wednesday down at Aberfoyle Park. don't know if you know Lionel or came across him in your journey. He was laid to rest actually here in Uri on Wednesday as well. Uh, Lionel, of course, was at one point the bishop or then the president of New South Wales for quite a number of years and also the assistant bishop or president of the whole LCA for a while as well. And as a young church youth worker... Um, based in Adelaide, I used to run into Lionel around the place and sometimes even get to work on a committee or something with him in church development was his great passion, great desire. And I think that's why I, uh, just going to a funeral, as you know, you remember things, and um, working with Lionel as a young man, it was inspiring. That's what it was. It was inspiring. And the thing that was inspiring was... He was deeply committed to sharing the gospel. God's people, not him, God's people like you and me, sharing the gospel with everyone. All the different people. All the other people. He lived that and he infused that upon me and many others. And he had a... So I think the thing that inspired me was he was a man of vision. He had God's vision for the church in his soul and he went about living that in his wonderful way. And now I know exactly 
where he got his drive from and his vision of his ministry and his life and his family and this whole world. I know where it came from. It came from here. Ephesians 3. God the Father's intent was that now through the church, the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places according to his eternal purpose that he has already accomplished in Jesus. Ephesians 3. Sounds big. Sounds broad. Sounds impossible, given the conflict and the suffering and the violence that we have from top to bottom in our world, does it not? But Paul speaks of God's grand vision of who we are and what we're about anyway, and guess where he does it from? A Roman prison cell, when you probably can't even see out the windows. We need a lot of help. I need a lot of help in catching this vision, God's vision of who we are and what we're about. Why? Because it's so easy to settle for so much less. And we do it all the time, or at least I do. I so often hear around the Brosser Valley, in Lutheran circles and around LCA wider circles, apparently the church, what's the purpose? We're just here to survive for as long as we can. It goes like this, I've noticed in conversations. How's the church going? Oh, well, the doors are still open. That's apparently the goal, to keep the physical doors of the building open. But of course, we're all seniors and the group is dwindling and the kids haven't come for ages and they're not likely to come ever again and the grandkids have never turned up and they probably never will. But that's just their way and that's just how it is. And by the way, my grandfather and his friends and family built the place. So luckily we do have enough money to keep the building open because we've got some money. So the church will stay open on my watch. As for what happens after me, well, I don't really know. We'll just keep the doors open as long as we can. And it should be okay as long as I'm alive at least. Friends, I believe we have settled for much less than Ephesians 3 in all of that. We seem to have settled for church being merely a building way more than a people. Where the building is an end in itself and not a tool for all the different people. Where the church we belong to is more a fixed institution than an adaptable movement of people. Where church is a weekly gathering more than a daily repenting and relating. Where church is something you attend more than a life you actually do with others. Where church is really like going to Adelaide Oval. It's a spectator sport to watch more than a life to actually play. And as a result, the focus is often not so much building community of people but maintaining a building keeping the known community we already love and know way more than seeking the unknown community that we don't know yet 
around us in our daily lives, living our vision rather than the one here in Ephesians 3, with or without a building. Anyway, God's mission still stands today. Is that the epiphany? I don't know. Through the church, the people of God, the wisdom of God should be made known to everyone, even rulers and authorities in heavenly realms that we can't see, according to his purpose, already fully accomplished in that man Jesus. That's the church. So the goal of this church, St. Petri Lutheran Church, is not to keep what we know going out of loyalty for family or history or tradition. The goal of this church, like any church, according to Paul at least, is to make known the revealed wisdom of God according to everything that Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, ever did and said. And by the way, out of loyalty and love for him above all else. Paul puts it another way, to live and tell of the mystery of Christ, which wasn't made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit to God's apostles and prophets. What's the mystery? What's he talking about? He says it. The mystery is this, that through that man Jesus, the gospel, the good news, forgiveness for sinners, hope for the hopeless, healing for the unwell. Through the gospel, even the Gentiles are co-heirs with God's chosen holy Israel. Members together of one body. Sharers together in the promises of Jesus Christ. Now we might think, well, big deal. Jews and Gentiles are now one in Christ. <laughs> so, it's a very big deal. I read this from the late, great Dr. Joe Strellen, one of my teachers. No division ran more deeply through human society than that which existed between Jew and Gentile. The Jews of old simply lumped all other races, including us, together under one term, goyim, which means the nations. There's us and there's them. And by the way, the Greeks did a similar thing. Uh, all non-Greek people were called barbarians, good Germans, Visigoths, people from the north. The division ran deeper than the division between Uri and Tananda, between Crows and Port supporters, between Labour and Liberal, even between US Democrat and Republican, which is pretty deep at the moment. The Great Divide went down to the ground level. Every day of your life, it had enormous impact on your behaviour and your attitudes. The whole day, from the food you ate and the food you would never, ever touch, to the shops you went into and the shops you wouldn't get caught dead in, to the cups out of which you drank and the cutlery that you would use or not, to the clothes you wore, the holidays you had, the celebrations you shared in your own home, e.g. Passover, to the stories you taught your children at bedtime about how the world was, us and them. And like any divide, it brought out the worst 
in human beings. Jewish people called Gentiles shaming names and assumed inaccurate and dismissive things about them. And guess what happens when you do that? The Gentiles return the favour. And at times, of course, as we know, things get really violent and really unjust and suffering occurs. Now listen, Paul, Paul himself is a living, breathing carrier of the great divide. He's lived the journey for the first part of his life. He was fully schooled as a Pharisee in all the names and all the shame and all the wrong assumptions and all the dehumanising of anybody not quite Jewish enough. But as we know, he had his epiphany, did he not? On that road to Damascus, when the resurrected and ascended Lord of all lords found him on that horse and knocked him off his horse, his high horse, and chose him. Can you believe it? Chose him, of all people, to be the carrier now of not the great divide, but the great new unity of humanity, no less. Paul was now a living sign, an exhibit, a display of God's great saving plan. God's great mission to remove the deep and the long and the high and the wide divide between us, all people, and create one people, one holy people, one community, one global, timeless community. In Jesus, Paul says, from a lonely jail cell, don't forget, God began removing the great divide between all people that's at work in the world by the power and the grace of Jesus' forgiveness done on that cross. That's the mystery that captured his soul. That was his epiphany moment. And that's what changed his whole life. And now we know him as Paul. This is really big. I've got to say, this is really now. And I've got to say, this is still us. It's what I live for. We have been created to be a community that is an exhibit, a living sign of God's ultimate good desire for all your non-Christian friends and the whole world and all the political establishment in this town. All God has done in Jesus is so that the church might be an exhibit, a microcosm of the vast cosmic new order which will be the final product at the end of God's great saving plan, Dr. Joe Strellum. So now we're talking church properly. This is actually the church. And this wisdom of God, as Paul puts it in Jesus, is to be proclaimed and lived not just in some hidden, quiet way that no one ever really notices and that doesn't really cost anybody very much. It's apparently to be proclaimed even among rulers and authorities, even in heavenly places. Who are they? What's that? How does that happen? Are these the powers that you sense are at work in what you see in the world? Powers of evil that are at work causing such hostility and suffering 
You sort of sense it, but you don't really know for sure. Visible in political life and social life, whole countries, whole peoples. Spiritual powers, yes, but enmeshed in our normal human life. The forgiveness and love of God in his son's birth and teaching and suffering and death and resurrection, which we, by the way, carry in our heart by baptism, it gets everywhere to everyone from top to bottom. We're a living sign of that in this very building this morning. It gets even to the powers, apparently, behind the horrible suffering we know that shows itself in our world. Economic injustice, military oppression, social ills like racism, war, hatred, ecological destruction, greed, corrupt power, vengeance, political manipulation of whole peoples. I read a comment about this. In the face of such evil realities, the church is not called to survive or to increase membership or to make people feel better. It's called to be the sign, the promise, the human embodiment of what God is doing in the world and what he intends for the world. And to do so in the face, in the face of the opposing powers of the world. Sounds dangerous. It is. Friends, that is church. The church is called to be a living declaration that the hostile powers that we experience cannot stand. Their final defeat is already assured by that cross. And this is church, friends, from the tea room at work on Tuesday to the violence being perpetrated against a nation by a superpower this very day. And that is what we are called into, however old, however young, however unhealthy, however fit, however wealthy, however poor. See how for Paul this mystery was personal, not just professional. It, wasn't, it was practical, not just nice ideas. He's in prison for it. It came from a moment of epiphany that he speaks about. I became a servant of this gospel, this mystery, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. I think he's remembering the Damascus Road personally. Though I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, he persecuted the church. He locked up Christians. This grace, grace, undeserved love and acceptance, grace, was given me. And this is what he was given the task to do. To preach to the who? To the goyim. To all the nations, other nations, the boundless riches of Jesus. And to make plain as best as I'm able to everyone the stewardship of this great mystery, which was past hidden, but now isn't. Friends, are we having an aha moment yet? Is there an epiphany in the room? I hope so. Is this your heart? If it isn't, why? What other heart have you got? Where is your heart? Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. For Paul, this is the promise and the calling we share in the face of a rapidly changing world. Our town is changing, our culture is changing, our families are changing, our church is changing. The mission is not. Because Jesus is not.
For Paul, this mission he was chosen to live in meant that this concrete divide in which he had been born and raised and schooled very well was wrong, useless, redundant, irrelevant to what is now possible in Jesus Christ. Is this the same for you? I think it takes a lot of adjustment to cope with the grand mystery of God's plan for my life and your life and our life. It takes a lot of adjustment. We get buried in our own little spheres, our bubbles. Some of our beliefs about church, and I'm including myself in this, and the world and why we are here might need to end up in the bin because they're the same. They're redundant, they're irrelevant, they're useless and they're just plain wrong. That's how it is for Christians every day. We live between that. Friends, as we let the light of Jesus Christ in this morning in his magnificent mystery, that even the Gentiles, even you and I on the other end of the world, are included. We're in because of the grace of that man Jesus, only by his grace, amazing grace. We know it well. As you let that light in, and maybe allow yourself to have an aha moment this morning, whatever it might be. And as we ponder our new year 2023 as a church, you're here, you're a church. I wonder whether the best place to always start is to pray, because that's where everything begins. And I wonder whether we'd be gutsy enough to pray a prayer like this. For this reason, we... St. Petri Lutheran Church, prisoners of Christ Jesus for the sake of the not yet believing people in our town, kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen us with power through his Holy Spirit in our inner beings so that Jesus may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that we, being rooted and established in his love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp. To grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Jesus Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses my feeble reason, that we may all be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. May it be so among us, friends. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus for this generation and all generations to come. Amen. And the peace of Christ keep you in the mystery of Christ. Amen. We pause and we ask that dangerous question, Holy Spirit, what on earth have you been saying to me? Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. stpetri.org.au